Let your presence and your spirit be with us. Father, take your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're looking at what I've titled The Life Worth Living. The Life Worth Living. This topic, I must say, personally came to me about two weeks ago, as by God's grace, He added another year to my life. And as I looked, as I look at me, I'm now 64. So, I must say that was the only birthday I found really memorable. Reason being that it was one occasion that I looked at my life. It was nothing about food or any merrymaking. But just look at the goodness of the Lord and what the Lord has done over these past years. And as I reflected... What came to my mind is sometimes people will say, whether it's a farewell speech or a validatory address, people will say this is, sometimes we look at our lives, we say this is a life well lived. And normally when people say so, it's about things material. Things of the physical maybe like As you look at yourself, those you started school with, you go to the village once in a while, and you see those you started with, and you look at how far the Lord has brought you. Then you say to yourself, I think I'm doing well. Because I think God has put you somewhere. And you say, this is a life well lived. And normally we look at maybe the schools you've gone through, if in terms of career, where the Lord sent you in terms of maybe a very distinguished career diplomat, whatever it is, distinguished lawyer, good professional accountant, nice, fine gentleman or fine soldiers, the soldiers who say, no matter when they say soldiers, the good ones are fine men, I really, soldier who is fine. <laughs> but I say, a fine gentleman. I thought they say I'm very tough, but they say a fine gentleman. So as you look at yourself, say this is a life well lived. But I realize that this is something that normally men will say, and you yourself will say, I've lived a good life. But I'm saying to myself, is that what the Lord is looking at? I think for the Lord, if we say it is a life well lived, it might be something connected to Him. It might be something flowing from Him. 
It might be something we can relate to him. Life is not about possessions. It's not about positions. But in times of God, as I look at my life, I ask myself, what proportion of this life has been committed to the Lord? What proportion of this life did I give to the Lord? What proportion of this life has the Lord got a say? Or is it all about me? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, which was later re-echoed by our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 4.4, 4, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, God said, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord that man live. What God is looking at is not the food, is not the drink, is not the possessions, but has the man lived by the word Coming out of the mouth of God. That is what in my view. What God is looking at. The life that I am living. Can I match it against the word of God? Can I relate it to a word coming out of the mouth of God? When I sum it all up. Can I say that indeed. The life that I have lived. I can say that of a truth, I have lived a life worthy of my calling as a child of God. Because when all is said and done, in fact, like I've been saying, I now understand why. Reverend Macaulay said, when I die, I don't need a tribute, nor a flower. Because it is not about the tribute from man. What will men say? As a founder, he built a Soul International School and founded his church. That is what we will say. But is that what God is looking for? So he was looking for a life that he can relate to and say that I served my God whilst I lived. Not the tribute men will write. It can be pages upon pages, but nothing about God. But nothing about God. Deuteronomy, as we read, it said, A man must live by every word that has come out of the mouth of the Almighty God. Where we stand, where we sit, what we do, what we say, has God got any inputs? Even what we wear, has the Lord God got any inputs? All we say is my money, so I can buy what pleases me. But God is saying, man must live by every word 
that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. What I say, what I wear, where I live, what I do, what I do with the money. Has it got anything to do with God? Or is it all about food? About clothing? That is not what God is looking for. And I believe we all haven't got too far. If we have deviated from God's word, we can go back and find out where we are falling off. Where have we missed God? If we can do that, then a day will come. On that day of the Lord, we can see that this is a life well lived. Hallelujah. So Christ re-echoed what the Lord had in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 in what he said in Matthew 4, 4. And said, man will live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So it's not about food. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. It's not the life more than meat and body than raiment. It's not the life more than meat. But as you can see, morning throughout to evening, all that we fight and spend our time on is about food. What we wear. Where we sleep. But Christ said life is more than this. I don't know whether if you begin to ask yourself, so what is life? It is not about what we are fighting for. It's not about what we see so much contention. And for all the struggles that are going throughout in the world, it's about food, drink, possession. It has nothing to do with God. Is it therefore a life worth living? Is it a life worth living if it has nothing to do with the word of God? Then we are setting everything at naught. It has to be a life which is based on what has come out of the mouth of the Almighty God. And it is never too late. Again, as we spend the time on the food and drink and possessions, sometimes we are esteemed by men. We are pleased by what men are saying. And we become full of pride. But in Luke chapter 16 verse 15, what men esteem, what is pleasing unto men, what men give us funds and reward us for, is an abomination unto the word. In Luke 16, 15, he says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. And that is what most of us do. We justify ourselves before men. 
But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Can we begin to look at our lives and find out what is pleasing unto the Lord that will make our lives worth living for? Hallelujah. The life worth living for. It should be a life based on everything that the Lord God has said and that has come from his mouth. And then we can see that indeed, this life that I'm living, it is what the Lord God would want to see me live. Hallelujah. And that is why I now also understand Paul in Romans chapter 7, verses 22 to 24. Romans 7, 22 to 24. Paul said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, worrying against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And listen to the verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? O wretched man that I am. For most of us, when we say somebody is wretched, we're looking at the physical. We're looking at his appearance. What has he got? What do you have? When you look at the person, he has nothing. Or as you look back, you compare with other people. Oh, this person was my mate in school. We started together. His life has become a wreck. He's wretched. But for Paul, it's not about his physical or material things. Because he delighted to walk, as in the verse 22 said, Paul delighted, for I delight in the law of God. And if a man doesn't delight in the law of God, if the life that I live has nothing to do with God, that is what Paul is saying, then I'm a wretched man. It's not about riches. It is not about riches. Because we are quick to look at riches. That they will look at him. Yes, probably that gives an explanation as what it means to be wretched. But in real sense of what God is looking at, it's not about what the man is wearing or what the man has. It's talking about the state of my soul. Is my soul lean or fat? Is my spirit impoverished? Am I spiritually bankrupt? That is what Paul is looking at. So if I'm looking at a life well lived, it must be a life where my soul is fat. A life where spiritually I am fulfilled. Where spiritually you are fulfilled. Because God said, A man's life should be lived 
out of every word that I have said. If the life that I'm living has nothing to do with God, if I am far from God, then I'm a wretched man. No matter my possessions, no matter how the world will rank me in terms of my worth, no matter how the society will see me in terms of my standing, if it's minus God, it is a wretched life. Paul said, I delight in the law of God. That should be our goal. That should be my goal. That should be your goal. Has God got a stake in my life? Has God got a stake in your life? If God has no place in your life, Paul said, you are wretched. And I believe this desire of Paul should challenge all of us. It should be a challenge for me to look at my life. Am I a wretched man? So no matter, I don't know where you are at, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, Papa and Mommy over 80, we need to ask ourselves, this 60, 70, 40, 64 years, what does it mean to God? Is it a life that God can look at and God will say, this is a life well lived? Or it is for men to look at it and men will say, this is a life men live but has nothing to do with God. That will be a disaster. That cannot be something we can be proud of. Brethren, it is never too late. At least we have today. Today is another day the Lord has given to you and I. We can make corrections. That life is not all about possessions. Life is not about meat and drink. In fact, the question the Lord asked in Matthew 6, he said, is it life all about meat? Is it life all about meat and dress and clothing? That is not the issue. That is not what we should set our eyes on. But we need to ask ourselves, moment after moment, day after day, this life that I'm living, what has God said? Has it got anything to do with God? Is it a life based on what God has asked me to do? If that is not the case, then you have a controversy with God. And that matter has to be settled. You know, for some of us, God has even cut the lives to lead for us. But we are copying somebody else. That is none of our business. God has given me a life. God has given you a life. You know, I say to myself, why would John the Baptist be in the wilderness eating honey? You don't understand. Because God has a purpose for his life. You may be, in fact, in Matthew it says, those who are in the palaces, they are dressed in a certain way. 
But because of the mission for John the Baptist, he is in the wilderness, he is eating honey. If God has given me a certain life, a certain purpose, it's not for me to look at what somebody is wearing or what somebody is eating. There's a life cut out for you and I. Let's live on that life. It is only when we do that, that we can look back at a certain point in our lives and say that this is a life well lived. It's not about what men will say, which has nothing to do with what God has said. And Christ is a perfect example. In this earth, when he came, he lived according to the purposes of God for him. It's therefore not surprising. God gave him a name. A name which is above all names. And today he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Where do you want to sit in this kingdom that God has promised that? We are saying that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Where would you want to sit on that day when you are called into the kingdom? Christ lived a life that he was called out to live. And today he is seated at a place cut out for him. Where will you and I be seated? Do you just want an entry or you want to be seated at a place cut out for you? A life, the life worth living. Hallelujah. Oh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help you and I to know that there is a life, that life cut out for us and nothing else. In fact, even in the laws that were given to Moses, to be given to the people of Israel, to the children of Israel, it was out all to bring out their glory that God had meant for them. So even in Second Corinthians chapter 3, if we can look from verse 7, Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7, it said, But if the ministration of death written and engraving in stones was glorious, which means even those laws, if you only walk in them, you'll find them glorious and your life will have a meaning. So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Even holding that laws alone was glorious. What about leaving it? Verse 8. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more than the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. Let's look at the verse 18 in the NLT. Verse 18 in the NLT. But we all, so all of us who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Hallelujah. That is the life. A glorious life. A life worth living. 
a life that I can see that I have lived a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. Even with those laws, at the inauguration of those laws, at the presentation, there was glory if we will live in them. That is what brings glory to a man. And that is why truly, if you can live a life of the Lord, full of His Word, living by His Word, you see a certain glory and honor around you. I say to myself, even when President Nelson Mandela had even left the seat, I believe he even had more glory and honor than the man who was even sitting on the throne. He didn't control power. He didn't control any security agencies. He didn't control the police or the military. He didn't control the Federal Reserve. But the man had glory and honor because there was a certain respect. He lived a certain life that brought honor and glory. Don't wait and to demand honor from men when you have no business demanding honor. It will come if you have lived a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. Hallelujah. The life worth living. You don't need it to struggle. If only the life that we are living comes out of every word of the Almighty God, your life will be glorious. Wherever you find yourself, if it's even in the family meeting, at the workplace, in the community, everybody will see that you are a different creature of the Almighty God. In that life, you don't struggle. You walk. As you walk, there might not be a motorcade in front of you. There might not be military people around you. But there's some dignity and majesty around you. Because they see God in you. And that one, you don't even have to be an old person. You may be a child. But if men have not despised your youth, in that state of your youthfulness, you see the glory and honor of the Almighty God. That is a life worth living. That is a life we can say that this life has been well lived. And when you die, whether there is tribute or no tribute, the heavens know that this man has lived a life worthy unto the Almighty God. Sorry, it's taking me too long to understand Reverend McCauley. It's taking too long. <laughs> but now I understand that there is a life worth living. Glory be to his name. It's never too late. But we thank God. Even for John the Baptist, the governor saw something different in him. In Mark chapter 6 verse 20. Let's look at the L30 in Mark 6.20. The man who was clothed in things that didn't look attractive, didn't look presentable. In this clothing and the honey that he ate, for Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. You know, can you imagine when the governor spoke with John the Baptist? He was disturbed because he saw something unique about John the Baptist. He said, whenever he talked with John, he was disturbed. But even so, he liked to listen to him. God, he has something to offer. 
He has something glorious from the Lord to offer. Not the philosophy of men, but the word of God. A word that has come out of the mouth of the Almighty God. No wonder the great, powerful preacher in England in some years past, Charles Spurgeon, who was so honest, resolute, sincere that, you know, each time in his audience were the prime ministers and the members of the royal family because he had the word of God to deliver. And they would go and sit and listen because those are the words of wisdom. A life worth living. Brothers and sisters, there is a day that will come upon all of us. But I don't want you to even to worry about what people will say on that day of the Lord. And for whether there is tribute or no tribute, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I tell my children, whether you bury me or not, I don't matter. The important is if I have lived a life worth unto the Lord, that is the most important thing. Today, let's challenge our lives. Let's not worry about the tributes and the programs and the number of pages. Sometimes we even run around. Has this association brought this tribute? It doesn't matter. What matters? <laughs> and even where I work, you know, when you dance a former staff, they'll go into a file and look at what you did. A file. Not the life that you are living to that is pleasing unto the Lord. But that is man pleasing. But let's challenge ourselves to live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. Let's look at our own lives. The life that is worth living is a life that every moment, every second, every deed, every utterance has come out of the mouth of God. Every utterance, even what I say, should be something that is pleasing unto the Lord. Even when I wink, should be ple- because He knows He sees everything. Even when I wink, my thoughts, my deeds, should be pleasing unto the Lord. It is only at that moment that even men don't see, God will see that it is a life worth living. A life that has been well lived. And the testimony will come from the Almighty God. Brothers and sisters, I believe it is the desire of all of us that on that day of the Lord, we are expecting God Himself to see that this Son, this Spirit that I sent onto the earth, and that this Spirit returns back to me, the Lord will see that indeed this Spirit had a soul that laid unto me. Then on that day, we'll see the praise of the Almighty God and God Himself. This is the Son that I'm well pleased with. Would you bow down your heads at this moment to reflect on where we are at in our lives today? Like I said, some are 80, some are in their 70s, some are in their 60s, 40s, 30s, even a teenager. But it is not too late. It's never too late. Because God said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word 
that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Is that what we are living for? Is that what I am living for? Is that what you are living for? Today, begin to reflect the life that we are living. Has God, God has taken it? Has the word of God got any significance, any meaning, any relevance in the life that we are living? Where is God in the life that I'm living? What has God said concerning my life? Where has God told me to be? Am I on my duty posts? Where God wants me to be, is that where I find myself? What I'm doing, is that what God wants me to do? What I keep on saying, is that what God wants me to say? What God has blessed me with, those resources, is that what I'm applying them for, what God wants me to apply them for? If it's none of these, then brother, sister, we are too far from the life of God. But thank God today is a new day. Thank God today is another fresh day. We're just crossing 1230. The day is still young. We can still look back and say, Lord, you told us that we should live by every word. That comes out of your mouth. If I haven't done so, you've given me another day. You've given me another opportunity to live for you, to live on your word, to live by your word, to live through your word. Help us, O Lord, today. May we crucify every self in us. May we allow the will of God to rule in our lives. May we allow Christ to reign and to take precedence in our lives. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Touch each one of us. May you be merciful unto us if we have gone too far from you. Grant us the grace to live by your word. Then on that day, on that day when the, end, the heavens gather, even if the earth doesn't see, when the heavens gather, oh, the Lord himself would say, this is a life well lived. And as the Spirit returns to him, there will be gladness. Father, we thank you. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.